Hi, Katie. Hi. Thanks for agreeing to talk with me today. Absolutely. So um, I know you don't want to talk too much about specifics where you are, and I totally respect that. But can you tell me a little bit about what, what course of study you are in and what, what interested you in this field? Yeah, so I'm in a master's program for mental health um, and counseling. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I won't say like where, but mm -hmm. it's a KCREP accredited program like Antioch. Um, I would say like, so I have a little bit of an unusual background. Um, my undergraduate degree is in Homeland Security and I have another master's degree in international security. Um, I, when I went to DC, it just like wasn't the right place for me. And so I was like trying to think like, you know, where, what other fields would work for me? You know, what works with my personality? I tend to be somewhat of like a sensitive, um, you know, like empathetic or emotional kind of person. Um, and I've always just like kind of had an interest and it just kind of felt like um, like a natural second choice for me. Um, I do have like in full disclosure, I have some health issues. So I did have to also take that into account. And so something that appealed to me about counseling was that there's like some uh, a sense of like self-control and I can mm -hmm. have my own practice and like do stuff like that. That makes it a little bit easier for me to manage with health issues. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, what was the rest of the question? Oh, th that's great. Just kind of what interested you in it. And and yeah. what, what did you think you were, what did you think the role of a counselor was when you started training yeah. someone? Um, so I think like, I mean, in my mind, it was like, um, kind of like untangling things with people, like helping people kind of work things out with, you know, within themselves and like for themselves. I really, I take a very like client centered approach in the sense that like they are the masters of their own experience they are the experts of their own lives like that kind of thing um I don't think I really thought like enough I'd say about like the different theoretical aspects of that but um yeah I, I really just kind of took it as like emotional support and and working with people through issues I mean obviously you have things like assessment and you have things that are like you know um like crisis counseling and stuff like that but like for me long term that was not what I wanted to do I definitely was um primarily interested in like you know the one-on-one -on -one just mm -hmm. classic counseling um experience mm -hmm. I like working with people one-on-one -on -one. I feel you know that that's where I like thrive mm -hmm. so working as a support for that individual mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just being a safe space I just feel like people people need it, you know, the relationship is so foundational. I mean, I think there are studies that show that there's really nothing more important than mm -hmm. the therapeutic alliance. Um, it doesn't really matter what approach you're taking. If you don't have that, you know, sense of trust and sense of dignity, mm -hmm. you're not really gonna go anywhere. So for me, it was just being able to be that person, somebody that, you know, people can trust and, you know, go into some of those deeper, darker, whatever things that they need to go into. And so at what point or, or did you start to feel like the program was offering a different perspective on that than what you were expecting? And, and what was that like for you? Um, so it took, it didn't really take very long to be totally honest. Um, I'd say like within the first year, I kind of figured it out. I, I think that it was like, I don't know, by the time I took the cross-cultural counseling course, which I'm sure like you have, because all these like you know, all of these programs are standardized. Like that's one thing I, I do want to emphasize is like what I'm talking about, it's very applicable. Like where I go to school doesn't really matter because there's so much standardization in a field like this when we have licensure. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the cross-cultural counseling class was like a real, that was the wake up call for me. Like that was like, wow, this is like a little bit more than I, I realized. Cause you would see like little snippets here and there in each class. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like sometimes I would like hear people say stuff and I'm like, what, what is going on? I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Like, um, like can and you then, give me an example of what you mean when you say snippets, like, like little yeah, ways that they would phrase things or what was it? It's just, you know, like critical social justice and that just entire like ideology sort of treated as like, I don't know, like the Bible almost, or like, it just yeah. is, you yeah. know, it, it just, it's not like up for debate. It's mm-hmm. um, something. And then there's also this like assumption, I think. And that's like one of the first things I noticed is that people will talk negatively about um, basically anyone who doesn't agree with critical mm-hmm. social justice. Mm-hmm. And there's like this implication, I think that they don't even, um, like it doesn't cross their mind that somebody mm-hmm could like be a normal person and like be in this program and like be perfectly kind and perfectly normal and like not necessarily agree with everything that they say. It's like, they just assume that if you're there, you must agree because, or if they like you, they must agree because they have this like picture in their mind that somebody that objects to it, it's like very um, mean and like angry and bigoted and like all these different things. Um, so it's just like this sort of casual, you know, like casual okay. throwaway things like Ugh, Trump supporters, like that kind of stuff okay. that just kind of okay. adds up when I start noticing like what, yeah. Like, why are we so judgmental and like kind of cruel to people? I, I just felt, you know, that's not our role as yeah. counselors is to have like such a, such a, um, I don't know, like what the word would be. I don't want to call it like snooty, but just kind of like looking down upon mm-hmm. other people yeah. who have different life experiences than us. Mm-hmm. Like judgmental. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, was it mostly students or teachers that you were hearing this from? Was it, where were you getting these, these like, this bit of the atmosphere, what was that coming from? Yeah, so I would say it's, I mean, majority students. It's definitely, okay. um, it's like a mix, okay? With the, with the professors, I'd say, I mean, most of my professors are wonderful. And honestly, like most of my, my peers are, are wonderful people. Like mm-hmm. I have no issue with them at a personal level. It's more about the ideology and like the, mm-hmm. the general um, environment. But they're definitely, they're definitely professors that like crossed a lot of lines and mm-hmm. um, said some pretty messed up stuff, to be honest. So I like, like cross-cultural counseling, for example, like that was, that was wild for me. I was like, what is going on? This, this is, this can't be normal. Cause it was just like an entire class of nothing, but what I felt like was pr- like pretty hateful. Um, you know, not, uh, it didn't like view people with dignity, I guess is like the way that okay. I see it. it. It viewed some people with dignity and some people without, and I was very uncomfortable with that. Okay. So it started out, you, this was early on in the course, in the program that you took this cross-cultural counseling class? Yeah, I would say, gosh, it was probably like six, yeah, six to 12 months in. So early-ish. Okay. And I've also, I also want to add that like, I've been in this program for a little bit longer because again, I have health issues and I've had to take a couple leaves of absence. Okay. Um. So this was like maybe two years ago. Okay. So is it a three-year program and you're about two years in right now? Yeah, uh, so it's like normally a two to three and I'm like three-ish. Okay. I, I only have, I'm almost done. I just have okay. to do my, um my I've done my practicum and I need to do my internship. Mm-hmm. That's it basically. Okay. So, but I do have, I'm taking another leave because I have another surgery coming up. Um, oh, So it's just okay. like, it just takes me a little bit longer, but I do want to add that in terms of like the length of time when I say it was two years ago. Right, right. Yeah, no, I can relate to that. I've taken a couple of leaves during my program as well. Um. So so this was, I'm understanding that it was kind of an atmosphere you were picking up on and it was unfamiliar to you. So you're hearing the way that people are talking about things from this, this critical social justice lens. And that was sort of new to you. So it was, it was strange. 
and but you're just hearing it all around little like little judgmental phrases and the way that people are talking about things and then you start this course and and it, it felt more like it rose to the surface and was more blatant can you give some examples of what was talked about in this course that that you found disturbing yeah um I mean, just like on the premise of like the entire content, um, I would say, I mean, it takes all of the like critical social justice, like just slammed like straight through in like every context, you know, everything from like fat studies to, you know, gender to this to that, like it was, you know, all encompassing. There was like no aspect. Um, but like early on, like the first assignment that we had, um, we had to like go through, you know, you know, the addressing framework, age, mm -hmm. yeah. whatever. Yeah. all your different identity markers um that was our first assignment which for, first of all for me I was like I'm not I don't not like comfortable like what why do you need to know about my sexuality like why mm -hmm. do you need to know about you know my um mm -hmm. excuse me my like class stuff like that I felt like you know this isn't something that I necessarily want to share with people I'm a little bit of a private person so you were being um, asked to say these things to the class or to your fellow students you were asked to actually write down your addressing characteristics mm -hmm. for them yeah. Oh, wow. And like the first assignment, I actually got points off because I didn't like adequately, I didn't like, I put like, oh, I'm white, but I didn't put like, I'm white and as such, I am privileged. Like I didn't like right. adequately acknowledge my privilege. And so at first I was like, oh, and then I went actually, and I went back and I looked at the assignment and it was not really clear that that was like an expectation. It was sort oh. of like an unsaid expectation that somehow everyone else knew and I didn't know. And so that was like when I first realized like, hmm, maybe there's, um, something else that like, I'm, I'm not prepared for, I'm missing. I think at first I really kind of blamed it on the fact that I come from a very different academic background. Um, okay. It was primarily, uh, I mean, it was Homeland Security. It, there's a lot of like people in the military, a lot of men, it was not oriented towards this stuff at all. Okay. And so I had never really encountered it. I honestly thought that like a lot of this stuff was, um, almost like a meme or like a stereotype that didn't exist and okay. then I was like, oh I guess it does <laughs> so you're you had some concept of the social justice mindset but you thought that it was like like you said a meme so you kind of you weren't taking it very seriously as a as a real thing that you were going to encounter in this program yeah exactly okay. um but yeah and like other things like for example our um our like main assignment we had to do it was basically like you're supposed to take um a group of people whatever that you have some sort of bias against and mm -hmm. you're supposed to do like your whole project is like to immerse yourself in this group that you have a bias against and like learn and and you know reframe or whatever i mean that's like what the assignment is on paper um for me i had uh, me and one other person we did um religion because for me okay. i'm not religious and that was like something that i thought okay well maybe I, I should probably engage with that a little bit more and try to learn like where people who experience that are um are coming from but all of the other groups were it was trump supporters conservatives and cops were the other groups oh, and okay. um and and not by the way like at the end when we had um our final presentations there was no like immersion and reframing and anything like that it was basically just like a presentation about why these people suck <laughs> you oh know gosh. it was it was pretty it was also the day after george floyd died and so it was like a, I mean, a five hour class. They kept it, I mean, it didn't oh, matter wow. what you had to do. If you could have other classes, whatever, like we were going to have to be there for five hours. Wow. Um, and wow. So it was our final presentation. They held you there for that. Yeah. Wow. And like everyone had to go around and like cry and like do all that stuff. And I'm like, oh gosh, like this is just, this is not for me, like for class, what 
class is meant to be like that you know I, I don't have anything against that of course I just think that um you know that's not like the circumstance in which you know maybe we should be engaging in in that kind of like discussion but it was just such a huge disappointment to me to see like it, it not only like the students do that but the professor being like so praiseworthy of just such judgment and like such um it, it, to me it's cruelty I mean I don't I don't think it's okay to think like okay well conservatives are disgusting or you know Trump supporters are the worst and they're evil and they don't deserve our help and mm -hmm. I mean it's getting to the point where I feel like there's not really mental health care for people who don't like um meet the definition of like marginalized or something that mm -hmm. um you know or their ability to like reframe it like either you're already there or you're willing to go there but like if you don't share that it's almost like you're not welcome in therapy anymore and that yeah. really concerns me really yeah. because I mean that's a half the country people yeah. you know you can't you can't be doing that then yeah. cops you know uh -huh. it was like very hateful towards cops and I just felt like you know nobody learned anything I didn't see any genuine attempt at um trying to like engage with these populations. I think there is a lot to be said about, right. you know, the experience of Trump supporters and like the, the amount of hate, you know, that they experience on, on like a day-to-day -day basis, frankly, from these same people. Mm -hmm. um, and what that does, you know, to you, like to your, you know, to your psyche and like your soul. I don't think people really appreciate that like, you know, Trump supporters are human too. Like they have feelings and mm -hmm. it can really suck to have everyone hate you all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and instead of kind of engaging with stuff like that or engaging with the challenges of being a cop, it was like, mm -hmm. you know, they suck the end. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really disappointing for me. Mm -hmm. So they were they were directly supporting this. The teacher was supporting the, the idea that there was just blanket condemnation for for what they call Trump supporters and for cops as well. Mm -hmm. and, and conservatives from, from the teacher. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, wow. frankly, okay. it was like so disappointing to me too. I'll be honest that like, this is probably one of the most radical, cruel professors that I had. Um, mm -hmm. and she, like she became the program head. Like, oh, the wow. head. Okay. So wow. it was like, wow. Like that was another like red pill for me. It was like, okay, that this is wow. what they want. Like this isn't, yeah. this isn't considered bad. This is actually considered like exactly what they want. So that was really eye-opening for me too. So was most of the, the concerning content political and, and, and racial for you? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it was primarily political. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of, I'd say like male hate, which is interesting. Okay. I think this okay. is like definitely a female attracting field. So some mm -hmm. of my classes would be all women. And, you know, people were like, oh, I'm not going to read this because it was like written by some white man or something like that. And okay, it's wow. just a lot of like those, oh, it's just so many throwaway comments that I don't even think people realize they're making. I think they're so used to living in this bubble where like, this is just something you say that it doesn't cross their mind that like maybe not everyone in the class is going to be comfortable with that. And like, sometimes they would say things that would like personally offend me. They would hurt my feelings because mm -hmm. they would be directed towards things that I think and like things that I feel my own experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just keep my mouth shut. I really learned to just kind of keep my mouth shut in the program and um, hope for the best. So there was a pretty strong atmosphere of this this kind of language and talk being okay. Was it surprising to you that you were around future counselors that yeah. that would talk this way about people? Yeah, it really it really bothers. It to I me, mean, it still bothers me. It just stirs me so much. At, at this point, I have like a lot more um, 
like compassion now that I sort of understand the origins and the thought process and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, at the time I didn't fully understand what was going on and it really, um, it was disturbing. And it also just, I mean, to be honest, it hurt my feelings because I'm like, okay, well, do you, you think this about me? You don't even know that I think this, but you, you, you're talking about these people, like you hate them. I'm sitting right here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, it doesn't even cross anyone's mind that like anyone could have a different opinion. And so yeah. they just say it because of course I would agree. Yeah. It, I, that just strikes me as really stunning that here you're around people who are training to be professionals that can sit with and help people with all their diverse individual perspectives and experiences and thoughts. And yet they can so callously talk about other people in such a dehumanizing way. That's, that's yeah. really shocking to me. And like, even for like the, you know, quote unquote marginalized groups that they would talk about, like, yeah. I felt like they were engaging in a lot of stereotyping. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of like pro projecting or like overly focusing on Mm -hmm. identity things and like they'll you know they'll pull the intersectionality and like oh this this and that like we're not just focused on race we're not just focused on gender but like mm -hmm. in the end it's all kind of the same thing even if you like do the intersections whatever mm -hmm. it's still very much um you know look, looking at like a group of people in like a certain mm -hmm. way like mm -hmm. they say things like um I don't know like like an Asian client you know might won't look you in the eye or something like that or oh. they will have like this perspective or that perspective or a black client, excuse me, a black client would have this perspective. And I'm just, mm -hmm. to me, like that is not how I want to approach pe people. Yeah. I, I don't want to approach people. If somebody comes to me, if I have like a black male client that comes to me and says like, I want to talk about my race, like, okay, that's one thing, but to mm -hmm. project it upon them, like mm -hmm. against their will, to me, it just seems um, like the antithesis of what counseling is supposed to be. Yeah, that I, yeah, totally. And I, so one of the things that the program that I was in talked about was they, they were training us that counselors main role was to be advocates for social justice activists and social change agents. And so these were words that were being used. Did you hear similar stuff? And were they similarly reframing what you felt like the role of the counselor was in your program? Absolutely. Um, that's actually one of the, actually, now that like I think about it, it's one of the first things I noticed was like when they listed um, the different like roles and stuff, like activists was in there. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, who are you to tell me like what I have to do? You know, like mm -hmm. I could do whatever I want. That's not my job. And, you know, you can't tell me like what I have to, you know, push and, and do that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. the way they frame it is you know, it's very insidious where like, you're not, you're not doing your duty as a counselor. Like you don't have the counselor ethos if you don't do it, which mm -hmm. I don't agree with. Um, but yeah, I actually, I have a quote from one of my lectures. It's uh, scholar, it's like scholarship professional practice is quote, designed to change societal values, structures, policies, and practices uh, such that the disadvantaged or marginalized groups gain increased access to these tools of self-determination. So they kind of flip it where it's like, well, if you want to help people, you have to do this because this is like the way to do that, which is, you know, to me, just one perspective. It's not like the perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So how did, will you read the first part of that quote one more time? Yeah, um, so it's work. So scholarship and professional practice mm -hmm. uh, is designed to change societal values, structures, policies, and practices. Wow, okay, so the, and by scholarship, that, are they talking specifically about the counseling work that mm -hmm. work in the program? Wow, designed to change societal structures. Wow. 
That's interesting. Mm -hmm. so um, that's something that I, I have really wrestled with with this program is that it's, it's, well, it's not only ideological, but even if you remove ideology from it, it's sociological. I mean, they're really talking about sociology mm -hmm. and they have one sociological perspective. And even if we just go neutral on that and we don't, we don't say whether we think that they're right or wrong, it's just that, that, that maybe they're right. Let's just say that they're right. How does that translate to the counselor who's working with individuals? It, it, it just seems, it seems like then you're using people as a means to an end. It's, it's not, it, it fundamentally changes the role of what you're doing with your clients. Oh, absolutely. Um, I totally agree. And it, it, to me, that's like an, just a complete violation of yeah. the autonomy and the dignity of a client. Like that, that's not, people are coming to us because they have personal issues. Mm -hmm. You know, they have emotional issues. Like, sure, there's lots of different factors that go into that. There's social factors, there's environmental factors, yeah. all these different things. But like when it comes down to it, like it, it is about the person. Um, yeah. At least this is my perspective. And this is what I thought I was getting myself into with counseling is that it, it was, you know, a personal endeavor. It is something that um, you can't like impose upon somebody in mm -hmm. such a way. Yeah. And, and with that in mind, you're, you're talking about all the context, the contexts that you might find a person in people have their own social situations and experiences. And I, for me, I don't, know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would be supportive of some kind of multicultural training. I don't know if that would be the word I would use, but some version of that for counseling students. I could see a version of that that would make a lot of sense, just not this version. I'm, it, do you have a similar uh, take on this? And what do, what do you think about that? Oh yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, like again, like there's nothing, I think this is like kind of the challenge with the words is that like, if you know, like, like what multicultural counseling means or like, yeah. it, it means something really specific. It does, it does not just mean like incorporating different cultures and respecting yeah. them. So, yeah. Yeah. um, like, I, so I agree with that's like, it in, in, yeah. So, yeah. um, but that's like, again, like the bait and switch, I think people don't get mm -hmm. that. I think a lot of students are kind of taking it at face value and it's, they're not kind of understanding the bigger picture or like all yeah. of these different things that are like underlying, there are so many underlying assumptions mm -hmm. of this thought that um, is just kind of taken for granted as if, you know, it goes unsaid, but it's right. it, the foundation upon which all of this other stuff is built. Mm -hmm. So it just, um, it does concern me. And that's, you make such a good point about language. Um, that's one of the things it's, it's really Orwellian that the wordplay here where, uh, for instance, the phrase social justice, I think that it sounds like it means one thing, but it's actually a very specific meaning that you don't, you don't necessarily know just by looking at the words, just like multiculturalism. It sounds like something vague and, you know, it has a vaguely positive connotation, but it actually has a specific meaning within the field or within this, this training practice. And so I know you've done a lot of reading about this and a lot of study on your own. What, what thoughts do you have about about um, the origins of this and, and how this is being taught in schools? Yeah, um, so I can, I mean, I can say a lot about it. I'll, like, I'll start first of all with um, Daryl Wink Sue because he's okay. um, a big driver of this in mm -hmm. counseling. So yeah. Daryl Wink Sue has been kind of at this for a long time. I mean, this goes back to like the eighties. I think mm -hmm. that's also what makes this difficult is because it, it's not just like something new. 
been building in academia for like a really long time. And I'll say um, that, that was the book that I, I shared a little bit of. Uh, his book was used in, in my uh, counseling program as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, I think, um, you know, the godfather, I guess, of like multicultural counseling or whatever you want to call it. Didn't he, I mean, he's the one who informed the KCREP um, co- uh, cultural competency um, standards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing. I actually have a quote that I pulled from his um, expectations that says, quote, Psychologists aspire to recognize and understand historical and contemporary experiences with power, privilege, and oppression. As such, they seek to address institutional barriers and related inequities, disproportionalities, and disparities of law enforcement, administration of criminal justice, education, mental health, and other systems they seek to promote justice, human rights, and access to quality and equitable mental and behavioral health services. So like, to me, it's like they start with this one thing and then they put as such as if like that's the conclusion that like, you know, is required to be drawn. And then I'm also very uncomfortable with like all this different stuff, you know, it's, it's turned into not just counseling, you know, we have to fight law enforcement, we have to deal with the administration of criminal justice. And like, there's only, I also think it's just on like a practical level when it comes to counselors that that's, it's overwhelming for people to feel like they have like all of this like duty. Responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I have, you know, I mean, the way I would characterize it, and this is just for me, um, is that like, I mean, he's basically, um, I mean, honestly, like he's dialectically transformed the field of counseling. Mm -hmm. So, and and I I think he's actually quite aware of this when I read his work. Um, I mean, he has articles like the challenge of white dialectics, adopting a quote, critical ideological framework. Um, He talks about counseling being the quote, handmaiden of the status quo and the quote, transmitters of society's values. Oh, wow. So I think there's something in there um, where there's almost of society's values. That's interesting because that relates directly to their agents of social change. Like that's that's using counselors for their access to clients in order to impose change on the way that people think. So asking counselors to manipulate people's minds. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, just kind of coming out and, and saying so much, it's, you know, I, all this stuff's kind of like buried in like mountains and mountains of like academic stuff, but yeah. um, it's all kind of the same stuff. I mean, they have like principles, social justice work, like self-examination, like that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, it doesn't sound bad in itself, um, right. but like it in context, right? it's something very specific. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, did you have, I mean, I guess you did because I saw your um, video that you had like those weekly reflection journals that you had to do. Yeah. And that seems like it's a psychological um, tactic in order to break you down. I mean, I, that, I I know that sounds dramatic, but I, after experiencing that and reading about this being used, I really don't, I I really believe that that's part of it. That's, That's what that process is, is breaking down any resistance that you have. And, um, and getting your buy-in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also to pull, you know, like mm-hmm. areas where you might have um, like sensitivities, mm-hmm. you know, like where where they could poke and prod and like find mm-hmm. the places where it's gonna um, get to you, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the goal you wanna emotionally, like part of it is kind of like getting in emotionally with people mm-hmm. and that's kind of how you do it. And I think with counselors specifically, like it's it attracts the kind of people who, um, you know, we want to do good. Like we want, yeah. we want, we like people, we want to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to have like a little bit of a, you know, like a point of view that I think is exploitable 
mm-hmm. um, like a personality, like an empathetic personality that's, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, really exploitable. Right. Um, excuse me, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, that, that, that may, that's a really good point. And, um, and something I see as kind of a cascade, like a domino effect is that, that we are trained using these tactics and these techniques, like the, the sort of struggle session um, of the, you know, the journals and the discussing your feelings and knowing that you're going to have difficult emotions and whatnot. And then we are basically being asked to perform that same thing with our clients by broaching mm-hmm. race and by, by talking about culture in this particular way and marginalization and privilege and sort of breaking people down in the same way that we are broken down in this program. Yeah. I mean, that's wow. pretty, it's pretty obvious to me that that's like absolutely the intention. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. so much in, in their minds. I think it's, you know, we're, they're gonna help us see better, mm-hmm. us help us be the change makers and then we can help other people be the change makers. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in context, it's something just, you know, very um, insidious. Yeah. So how, how do you, um, what would you recommend to clients at this point to people who want to be, to see a therapist or a counselor? Yeah. Um, this is hard. I think do your homework, um, psychology today, like you can look at people's blurbs and kind of see like the approach that they take. If you mm-hmm. know, they're coming right out and saying like, they take a multicultural social justice approach. And like, that's not something you want, then mm-hmm. maybe find another counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just depends. I feel like, I mean, it's a little bit easier to find, I'd say older counselors, mm-hmm. like those that have not been educated recently. I think this is like really quite, um, a push for like recent graduates and stuff like that. But I mean, ultimately it's kind of like embedded into the field. It's embedded into our, you know, our core values are um, like, we have multicultural competence expectations or cultural competence. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, competencies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I don't really, I feel really negative about this, honestly. Like, this is what's really difficult for me. It's like, I, I feel like I don't even know how much I can recommend counseling to some people. It makes me really uncomfortable. It makes me worried. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that most people mean good. I mean, yeah. I, I totally understand that. And I don't have anything against like almost any counselor or anything like that. But there's also just this element where um, it becomes so insidious that you don't realize that something could be going on. I think it's like framed very virtuously. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't like connect with people who are like perfectly kind of wonderful people, but it doesn't like connect mm-hmm. what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I also want to add like the, the pretty obvious goal and like they describe this throughout, I mean, what he writes, um, Daryl Wing Su, I mean, mm-hmm. throughout my program, all of this stuff, like the goal is quote, critical consciousness. Like that yeah. is the thing that is very specific. Yes. <laughs> like that is, um, you know, like a Marxist utopian consciousness, you know, um, you're a James Lindsay fan. I'm like a huge, I'm like a James Lindsay devotee. <laughs> I've learned so much from him and I recommend to anyone who wants to learn about this stuff and wants like an easy entry point, um, mm-hmm. new discourses is definitely like where to start. Cause he does mm-hmm. make it easy to understand. Um, but it's, it's something really specific and like the goal of critical consciousness is not just so that you have this perspective that like you're seeing you know like you adopt a standpoint perspective and you have um you understand like the holistic as they would call it like holistic um systems approach it's not just that like praxis is a part of that so you have to have the consciousness and then you have to go and do the work 
Yeah. Um, and so those things are like inseparable. So when they want us to do these things and when they tell us we need to go be the change makers and stuff like that, like they're, they're talking about something and they're, they're deriving it from something like very, very specific that I don't feel like is fully understood by most people. To me, that feels like a bait and switch because I don't, I don't think that most of my classmates are sitting there being like, yeah, I want like full on Marxist consciousness, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's kind of what's being put forth in these programs, Mm -hmm. um, in general. I mean, it's almost like you have to have achieved critical consciousness in order to meet the, like, meet the expectations of being a counselor. Mm -hmm. That is like a, Mm -hmm. you know, that is what a competency would be. So, you know, that's concerning to me. So development of that critical consciousness so that you can go and, and help your clients to develop that same critical consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I just recommend people, you know, be mindful of that if you're still in school, you know, Mm -hmm. to pay attention to such things. What does this mean for you with your career? What do you think? What are you going to do? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I don't think I'm going to get licensed. Um, to be totally honest with you, I do want to graduate. I want to do, um, I mean, I guess you would call it like consulting Mm -hmm. or like, you know, like casual counseling. Mm -hmm. I really, I don't feel comfortable being licensed. I think it would violate like my ethics. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's really, really rough to say, and it might sound extreme to some people. I I promise you, I can like back this up in like more extended amounts of time, but it's like, it's not even counseling. It's not like counseling with Marxist elements in it. It's like the entire, like counseling has been dialectically transformed. So you only have the abstract idea of counseling left, but the particulars are gone. So it's just like, it appears to be counseling, but it's not mm-hmm. at all. There's, there's no counseling left. Yeah. Um, so that really, it, it just doesn't sit right with me. Um, it feels manipulative. It feels cruel. I don't feel comfortable. I mean, for me, I know like myself, what I would do with clients and like what I wouldn't do with clients, but it just seems cruel to kind of put ourselves out there as if we're mental health counselors when you know a lot and by the way a lot of this stuff is very damaging to people's mental health I mean this program was rough for me I mean I've been pretty unhappy um and I've seen people like really really just like destroyed emotionally destroyed I mean the only reason I'm not is because I just keep my mouth shut Mm. and just kind of like go along um but when people really like gang up on you and um you know, they call you names, racist, or like this or that or whatever. And then you have the professor adding to it. And, um, you know, you, you can start to like really question yourself. I mean, I've, I've seen people, you know, not, not know how to handle like something like that because you just never would expect it in a class. You just wouldn't expect all of these people just like come at you in like Mm -hmm. such a way. Um, it can feel really overwhelming. And um, I don't think there's like any evidence that any of this is like good for anybody, like mentally or, you know, socially. So have you seen, so I take it, you've seen people try to stand up against some of these, these teachings. Yeah. And, and can you give an example of one story about what that looked like? Yeah. Um, So like, for example, I can talk a little bit about like group dynamics. I don't know if you've taken that yet, but it's like very experiential. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like we're in a group Mm -hmm. together and we're Mm -hmm. doing like the practice. Um, And, you know, I recall like some guy, you know, pushback. I mean, just mildly, just mildly pushback. And it Mm -hmm. was just like everyone all on top of him, you know, just um, 
and, and in that like really condescending way, you know, where like, you just don't know enough yet. Like we'll, we'll educate you. We'll, we'll tell you what the right thing is, but if you don't actually say, okay, I agree or whatever, like that's where like it gets a little bit more aggressive, I'd say. Um, and this was mostly coming from students. Uh, it, yeah, it was coming okay. from students, but I mean, it's definitely like sanctioned by the professors. Um, and it's really obvious to people, like, I think it sends a message. So mm -hmm. pe people kind of learn what, what they can say and what they can't say and like, whether it's worth, you know, pushing back on things. I think there's like this pseudo, this element where it's like kind of pretending to be this, this challenge and this discussion and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but it's not, it's not a challenge if you already agree with it. It's only challenging the people that don't want to agree mm -hmm. or haven't agreed yet or whatever. And so mm -hmm. to me, it's like very, it's like getting pushed down on people. It's not like a balance, you know, dialogue of, of sorts. It's, you know, I mean, it's brainwashing to be totally honest, but yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, and it must be really traumatic for the person who gets humiliated like that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's, and it, it, it truly is humiliating. I mean, mm -hmm. it, in the few times I've pushed back and that's like mm -hmm. really mildly, mm -hmm. I'm a relatively shy person. Um, but like, we'll do breakout groups and stuff like that. And, um, you know, like say that the assignment says like, you know, you need to think about this in this way. And like, no one is willing to think about it in like the other way or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'll just like bring it up and not even like I'm advocating for it, but just like, this, if you want to look at it from this perspective, like this is what it would be or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just like that fast, like people will just like come at you so fast. And like, you're just like, okay, <laughs> like you just wow. shut up because you know, th there's this, um, this feeling that like, it's just not worth it. You know, you're just going to get emotionally destroyed. Um, and people have been kicked out of my program. I wish I knew who they were, mm. but, um, people have been kicked out for, um, you know, not, not meeting the consciousness requirements basically. Wow. Okay. Gosh, I feel like I could, um, talk to you all day long and, and hear more. And, uh, I, I respect your time and we both have other things we need to do. So I'll, um, we'll wrap up, but maybe we can talk again at some point. And it feels like you have really looked into this and, and tried to understand it as you've gone through it and have a pretty deep understanding of not only what's happening, but why and, and how. So I really appreciate that perspective. Is there anything that I, that I should have asked you or that you, that you want to bring up or, or sum up with or any other points that are really important you think? Yeah, I mean, there's just like a couple of things that I just want to like really briefly throw out people yeah. um, just for like their own curiosity and stuff. But um, there's this book, okay, it's called The Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism. It's by Robert J. Lifton and he does a study of, this is from like the 60s okay. or maybe even the 50s, but actually no, it was the 60s. The um, like people who have gone through Maoist thought reform camps. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll notice a lot of parallels. I've, I've written down some things. Um, so like quote, the penetration of the psychological forces of the environment to the inner emotions of the individual person is perhaps the outstanding psychiatric fact of thought reform. Um, mm -hmm. So take that for what it is. There's definitely you know, some elements of that, but there's also um, like common themes that he picked up on. So like number one would be like Malou control. So like controlling information and communication demand for purity, so black and white thinking, inducing guilt and shame, confession, you know, if you confess your sins as defined by the group, um, there's no confidentiality, the leaders will 
discuss and exploit your, you know, your sharing, your attitudes, your faults, whatever, like it'll be exploited um, or it can be exploited, I guess I should say. Um, sacred science, the group's doctrine or ideology is the ultimate truth beyond questioning or dispute. Yeah. Uh, loading the language, so you use jargons where words and phrases are used in new ways. They're outside, like the outside world wouldn't understand. So I think mm -hmm. we like talked about that a little bit, what multicultural means to the average person versus what it means to somebody in the program or like already, mm -hmm. you know, conscientized. Um, uh, doctrine over person. So members' personal experiences subordinated to the ideology and any contrary experiences must be denied or reinterpreted mm -hmm. to fit the ideology of the group and dispensing of existence. So not necessarily like literally, but um, like that those that don't conform you know, or like don't have adequate consciousness or enlightenment, um, have no credibility and they have to be rejected. So, yeah. and it's really not like a coincidence because there's a really prominent educator and I won't like speak too much about it, but I just encourage everybody to look up Paulo Freire. He's a mm -hmm. Marxist educator. He's very prominent in the social sciences. Um, Daryl Wing Su very obviously pulls from him and he actually like directly cites him. So I, I like, it's not even speculation. He directly cites the pedagogy of the oppressed, mm -hmm. but I mean, he straight up says like, oh gosh, what was it? It was like the Chinese cultural revolution. And he said this in the seventies. So he already knew what happened, but like the Chinese cultural revolution is like the genial, uh, ge the most genial solution of the century. So oh, that Paula should like be a- Daryl Wing Su said this or Paula Fieri? No, Paula okay. Fieri, okay. yeah. So, but that should like give people some context because Paulo Freire and like this Freirean method of education is, mm -hmm. um, it's definitely like foundational, not just in the social sciences, but like in a lot of education now, but like, yeah. especially, especially for us, like anyone in education, social work, all of these things are definitely like pulling mm -hmm. from him. And so the fact that he's looking at, um, I mean, like Maoist thought reform and like mm -hmm. the Chinese mm -hmm. cultural revolution, which is a horrific, horrific time for people. I mean, I, you know, tens of millions of people died mm -hmm. um, to look at that and call that the most genial solution of the century and sort of like look at that like, okay, this is a great model of cultural revolution. Right. Um, and then also be the foundation upon which our program and stuff like that is kind of built and having all of these parallels between the stuff that, you know, you would see in other cultural revolutions and then mm -hmm. the experiences that we're personally, you know, going through, obviously mm -hmm. the depth or like, you know, the the seriousness is different, but like, it's the same psychological process. So like, for me, I really think about the stuff in terms of like the cycle, like the underlying psychological mm -hmm. processes that are going on. So I do recommend that book. And I also recommend, um, it's by Matthias Desmond. It's called mm -hmm. The Psychology of Totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I think those two books are really useful for um, any therapists or psychologists or social workers who listen to this and have some curiosity about um, maybe some of those like psychological elements of thought reform and like thought control. Yeah, if you'll send me the, the titles and authors, I'll put them in the notes under the video so that people can look yeah. those up. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. Gosh, thank you so much for your time and for sharing these experiences. I, I'm just, I, I'm continually blown away by the, the striking contrast between what they're teaching and what what classical uh, person-centered counseling should look like. It's just, it's such a stark contrast. Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting to hear your experiences. One of the things that I keep hearing is, oh, you, you, you're experiencing this because you went to a school that's really out there, like really radical. And I, 
but I'm hearing this from all over the US and all over uh, the UK as well. People are chiming in to say, these are experiences that I'm having in my program as well. So thanks. Yeah, for and that's interesting that you say that because that's how I thought. I thought this must just be like a, you know, my program specific yeah. thing. Um, so it's really, I think, um, edifying to see mm -hmm. you, like you, you really, I mean, the, your discussions and stuff like that were very, very helpful for me because it just it kind of like clicked that like wow this is not just a me problem this is right. not just a my school problem um and like going through the comments and seeing everything that people said it's I mean it's terrifying but um it is interesting I guess yeah yeah well thank you I'm gonna go ahead and stop the recording now and thank you so much yeah thank you